Good morning and welcome to Open Arms Church Online. My name is Brad and I am part of the team here. We've been doing a series called Jesus Is, and this morning we're going to continue in that series, but this morning we're going to talk about Jesus Is the Miracle Worker. We're going to begin this morning in Psalms 77 and verse 14. And it says, You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. How many of you have ever seen or experienced a miracle in your life? Not only have I seen miracles firsthand, but my life is a miracle. When my mother was about six months pregnant with me, there was a time for about several weeks where she didn't feel me move at all in her womb. And so out of great concern, she went to her GP, her doctor, and after a time of getting some tests, uh, and the doctor examining her, he informed her that he didn't detect a heartbeat, and that in fact, that I was decaying in her womb, and that if she didn't have me removed, that she more than likely would die herself as infection was starting to spread through her body. You can imagine the great disappointment. You know, my mother actually believed God for a miracle to get pregnant with me, and so for that miracle to be stolen had to have been very heartbreaking for her. But she believed God to get pregnant in the first place with me because the doctors had told her that there was no chance that she would get pregnant again after my older sister. Well, when she got pregnant, she knew God was doing something. And so she believed that she could receive another miracle from God. Well, the doctor wanted to set up an appointment to have me removed. And he, my mother actually quite upset him when she said, no, I'm going to wait. There's some church, special church meetings at my church, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to believe God for a miracle. So she didn't tell anyone. She didn't tell my father. She didn't tell any of her family members. She didn't tell any friends because she was fearful that they were going to have her go back to the doctor and have me removed. So she went to these special church services, believing God for a miracle that night. Well, there was a special minister named Brother Euler, and he was from Everett, Washington, in the United States. And during his message, about halfway through, the Lord interrupted him, and he, he gave out this word. He said, there's someone here today where there are doctors have told you that your baby is dead inside of you. And if you don't have him removed, you more than likely are going to die yourself as well. If that's you, I want you to stand up. So my mother stood up. Well, you can imagine the surprise to my father. Here is the first time that she's informing my father that the baby, his son, that he thought was healthy and well inside of her was in fact dead. And she just didn't inform him privately, but it was in front of the whole church. So you can imagine the range of thoughts and emotions that was going through my father's head. Well, then Brother Euler instructed her, I'd like for you to come down to the front. I'd like to pray for you. So my mother got up, went into the aisle, and started her way down to the front. But before she even got to the front, she felt the power of God moving inside of her womb. And then she felt me leap inside of her. God had performed a miracle. He had brought me back to life. I believe in a God 
of miracles. Let me tell you another miracle. When I was still a small baby, there was a stove in my parents' room or in my parents' kitchen, and it was gas-powered. Well, it exploded, and my mother was standing directly in front of that oven when it exploded. And she was horribly burned, so badly burned that the zipper that was on her top was melted into her skin. She was wrapped in bandages afterwards from her head, her torso, her arms, her hands, and the doctors told her that she was going to have horrible scarring and disfigurement. But my mom and dad believed God for another miracle. And when those bandages were removed, there was brand new baby-like skin. No scarring, no disfigurement, just brand new skin. Let me tell you another miracle story. We'll fast forward to 1995 where my mother, again, was diagnosed with colon cancer. At this time, I was a young adult away at uh, Bible school training for the ministry. And that was probably the hardest year of my entire life. Everything that I believed about God went into question. You know, when the hard times come into our life where we have trials and tribulations, you know, that's when we really find out what is on the inside of us. Do we really believe God's word? Do we really believe God? Do we have faith in him? Well, one night, I was in my bedroom and I was down on my knees, just broken and crying before God. And I decided that day that no matter what, whether my mom lived or whether my mom died, that I was going to believe God's word, that God's word was true no matter what was going on around me. And the amazing thing that happened is 31 years later, my mother is still alive, cancer-free, and giving the devil a black eye daily. You know, statistically, colon cancer survivors only live four to five more years after they survive that. My mother has been alive now for 31 years. I believe in a God of miracles. Well, let me tell you another story. You know, these first ones have been primarily about my mother, but my father has seen many miracles in his life as well. Before he was born again, he was, my father was smoking a lot, and the doctors actually diagnosed him with lung cancer. Well, my mother and father believed God for another miracle. I grew up all through my childhood and youth just seeing one miracle after another. And God completely healed my father of lung cancer. We serve a miraculous God. You know, many of us may have heroes of the faith, people that we look up to who are godly, where we admire their relationship with the Lord and, and their lives and their walk with God. Well, my two heroes are my mom and dad. I couldn't ask for better examples, better godly examples than my mother and father. We'll read again in Psalm chapter 77, verse 14, where it says, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. When Pastor Sean asked me to preach this message on Jesus is the miracle worker, I couldn't have been more excited because I am expecting that we are going to see miracles 
here in Open Arms Church and here in Ireland. You know, miracles don't have to be as dramatic as raising someone from the dead. Actually, oftentimes, God is moving in our lives, but because those things aren't always a wow miracle where someone's like getting up out of a wheelchair and walking, we don't recognize those things as what they really are. A miracle, if we could define it, is simply God intervening on our behalf. You could say it's his supernatural overriding the natural for our benefit. That could be him providing a job. It could be him providing provision for your family. It could be the restoration of a relationship or it even could be healing in your body or anything else that God intervenes on our behalf for. You know, several years ago now, I had pulled a groin muscle in my leg and I didn't realize how badly that sort of injury would, would hurt. You know, you see like athletes and things like sometimes try to play through that kind of injury. It was excruciating. In order for me to even get into my car, I would have to physically lift up my leg and place it into the car because the pain was so intense. You know, at our home, our bedroom was on the first floor. Anytime I'd go from the ground floor to the first floor to go to bed or whatever it was I was going upstairs for, each step I would have to grab my pant leg and help it go to the next step because the pain was so excruciating. Well, I was scheduled to uh, preach at our church in, in Limerick this one evening, and I don't even remember what it was that I was preaching on that night. But it was a slowful, slow and painful journey up to the first floor where our auditorium was. But I noticed after I was done preaching and I was going back downstairs that that pain in my leg was completely gone. My leg was completely healed. While I was preaching God's word, my leg was healed. Well, today I'm expecting that while this message is being, being spoken, being preached, that there are some of you watching that are going to be healed as well. Let me tell another story. After graduating from ministry school, I took a trip to India, a missions trip with several friends of mine. And while we were there, we saw several miracles, many miracles actually. But there was one in particular that really stood out to me. We were on a train going from a city called Kwamator to another to do some ministry. And there's this young man who came on board and he was mute, he couldn't speak and his leg was crippled. It was actually frozen at a 90 degree angle and he had a stick that he was walking through the train begging for, begging for money. Well, when he came to us, we asked him through our interpreter if we could pray for him and he just nodded his head yes. So we, we shared the gospel with him and then we prayed with him. We laid hands on him and prayed and guess what happened? His voice was restored. His leg was completely healed. Before that, we actually tried to move his leg. His leg was actually frozen, like, like it was fused together. You could not move it at all. Well, God completely healed him, gave him his voice back, healed his leg. That boy was so excited. And we were able to then lead him to the Lord. And in his own voice, he was able to declare that Jesus Christ was his Lord and Savior. I will never forget that. This morning, 
we're speaking about Jesus is the miracle worker. I'm going to share one more miracle with you just because I want to stir up your faith. Several years ago in 2015, there was these great earthquakes in Nepal. You may remember that. Well, afterwards, we took a a team from our church uh, there to do some ministry and do some humanitarian work and things. Well, this particular morning, we were at a hotel getting ready, waiting for our van and our driver to be all situated so that we could go out to some villages and do some ministry. Well, while we were waiting, we noticed the doorman at the hotel that there was dry blood in his ear. Well, that's unusual for someone to go to work with dry blood in their ear. So we knew something, something was wrong. So we asked this man, you know, what it was, why he had dry blood in his ear, because we wanted to pray for him. Well, he told us that he's been having excruciating pain in that ear, and he actually couldn't hear out of that ear at all. So we shared the gospel with him and prayed with him. And his ear was completely healed, completely restored. The pain went away, and he could hear out of that ear. And the rest of that trip that we were at that hotel, that doorman was so attentive to us. And a smile, ear to ear. And we were able to share the gospel with him. And he, too, was able to declare that Jesus Christ was his Lord and Savior. We serve a God of miracles. I hope these stories are stirring up your faith in Jesus for miracles. God wants to perform miracles in your life as well. Faith plays a unique role in our lives. Faith is actually at the core of the life of a Christian. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, it says, For I say, through the grace given to me, that everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. I like what I heard one pastor say. He said that God wouldn't have given us faith if we didn't actually need faith. There's always going to be circumstances in our life, some trials and tribulations and things that we're going to need our faith for. We're going to need to exercise our faith, meaning we're going to need to put it to use. When the devil comes in to steal, to kill, and cause destruction in your life, you're going to need to use your faith in God. In God's kingdom, faith is the currency. To receive anything in God's kingdom, you need to use your faith. In Ephesians chapter 2.8, it says that you are saved through faith. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says that we walk by faith and not by sight. If you read in Hebrews chapter 11, it says throughout that whole entire chapter that those who received the promises of God did so by their faith. Abel received from God by his faith. Enoch received from God by his faith. Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, they all received from God by their faith. Many people in religions have faith, but it's not faith in God. It's like the difference between a counterfeit currency and a legitimate currency. They may look similar on the surface, but only one is backed up by the power and the authority of a government. Faith in anything then Jesus doesn't do 
anyone any good. It's only when we have confidence and put our belief and our trust in both God's willingness and his ability to intervene on our behalf that mountains are moved. And in Hebrews eleven six, it says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is because faith says, I believe in you. I trust you. I have confidence in you. These are core ingredients of any relationship. In my wife's and my relationship, if I don't believe in her, if I don't have faith in her, if I don't have confidence in her, what kind of relationship could we really have? It should be of no surprise that God, too, is looking for our trust, our faith, our belief and confidence in him. And sharing this message today, its purpose isn't to give you intellectual knowledge, but to stir up your faith in God. God isn't moved by any of our great intelligence. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 1.20, it says that the wisdom of this world to God is utter foolishness. What God is moved by is our faith. In John 14.1, it says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. And Jesus said in Mark 9.23, All these things are possible to him who believes. Jesus is talking about faith here. To trust God, you have to have faith in him. To believe God, you have to have faith in him. Faith isn't some complicated, unobtainable, religious level reserved only for the holiest of people. In fact, Jesus said that we must have faith like a child. Simple, innocent faith. That's all God's looking for. Faith can be defined as this, simply believing that God is telling the truth. Listen to Mark eleven twenty two through 24. It says, so Jesus answered them and said, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. It is by what? Believing, having faith, not doubting God's ability or his willingness that mountains in your life will be moved. Listen to this scripture. This is one of my favorites. It's in Jeremiah 32, 27. It says, I am the Lord, the God of all peoples of the world. Is there anything too hard for me? You know, it's not that often that God asks us a question. But he's asking us this because he wants us to think about this. Is there anything too hard for God? Is the sickness in your body too hard for God? Are those financial struggles that you're dealing with too hard for God? Are those relationships that you're needing restoration in, are those too hard for God to help fix? Or maybe it could be even trying to find a home in Ireland to rent or buy. 
Is that too hard for God? Ask yourself that. Is there anything too hard for God? You know, sometimes we think we're an exception, that what we're dealing, through, dealing with, what we're going through, that maybe that might be too hard for God. But God is asking you this question yourself, you watching today, is there anything too hard for him? You know, Pastor Sean began this series on Jesus is in Mark chapter eight. And we're going to touch on that a little bit again today in Mark chapter eight and verse 27 through 28. And it says, Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. And as they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say that I am? Well, his disciples replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say, you are one of the other prophets. So as Jesus is casually walking with his disciples, he asks them, who do people say that I am? You know, it was difficult for Jesus to go out into a crowd and start having a conversation with individuals. He was just being thronged by people. But his disciples could go out and ask this sort of information. You know, they, could, they had more of a pulse, maybe, on the people that were in the crowd and what was going on. So Jesus was asking his disciples, who have people said that I am? This is probably one of the most important questions that has ever been asked. Jesus could have asked so many questions, but the Son of God, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, wanted to know who people were saying he was and if they recognized him as such. You know, it is absolutely paramount in both a person's life here now and for their eternity and who they believe Jesus is. Who they believe Jesus is will dictate how they respond to him. Who they believe Jesus is will also dictate what they receive from him. While Jesus was walking this earth, people thought he was a great many things. Still today, people have all sorts of ideas of who they think Jesus is. But interestingly, not that many people recognized him for who he truly was. Do we? Here is a man who was teaching and preaching God's word like no other before him or since. That is because Jesus is the word. Here is a man who was providing for the needs of countless many. That is because he is Jehovah Jireh. Jesus is our provider. Here is a man who raised people from the grave. That is because Jesus is the life giver. And here is a man who healed. So many, in fact, that the Bible says that we can't even count the amount of miracles that he did. That is because Jesus is the healer. But Jesus is so much more than just a mere man. Today we're talking about Jesus is the miracle worker. You're probably aware of the story of Jesus turning water into wine at the marriage feast in Cana of Galilee. But that wasn't Jesus' first miracle. We've heard that a lot, but that actually wasn't Jesus' first miracle. In John 2:11, it says, this miraculous sign at Cana of, in Galilee was the first time 
that Jesus revealed his glory. This was actually the first time as a man that Jesus revealed his true identity. And his disciples believed in him. Jesus has been working miracles since the very beginning of time. Miracles weren't, nor are they confined only to his three and a half years of ministry as a man on this earth. If we look in John chapter one, verse one through five, it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. And the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. John is talking here about Jesus. Jesus is the word manifest. The miracle of the creation of the universe wasn't by happenstance, but it was through Jesus. Jesus has been working miracles since the very beginning. The Bible isn't a book about fairy tales or fables. It's a story of how God created the world and how his account of how he miraculously began life through Jesus. While Jesus' name may be the most well-recognized name throughout the world, and the Bible may be the most best-selling book of all time, there are still billions of people who don't have any idea, who do not recognize who Jesus is. And many of those are in our nation here. And unfortunately, institutional religion has trained many to only see Jesus through a religious lens, a dead religious lens, where they have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. Jesus is so much more than just a mere man. Jesus actually came to show and to demonstrate to us the love of our Heavenly Father. In the accounts of the apostle, they recorded many miracles of Jesus. Some were provisional miracles, meaning he provided for people's needs, such as, like I mentioned, the wedding feast where he turned water into wine. Some were miracles of deliverance where he cast out demons. Some were where he controlled nature, calming storms. But the majority of his miracles were that of healing. It's very clear by Jesus' ministry that God is very concerned about all the details of your life, even the smallest one. The Bible says that he even knows how many hairs are upon our heads. Now I know some, of, some people that's easier than others. God isn't some detached deity where he is not interested in the affairs of your life. He sent Jesus to demonstrate to you just how interested, just how much he loves you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whoever would believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Too often, because a myriad of reasons, some of us are unsure still what God's will is. Perhaps we're unsure that he even has an interest in our lives. 
We may even be unsure if God even has a desire to intervene on our behalf. You know, I've heard it said, faith is possible where the will of God is known. That simply means that where we clearly recognize God's will, we can have faith in that area. Let's look at a story in the Bible that gives a good example of this and shows very clearly. In Matthew chapter 8, in verse 1 through 3, it says, Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. And suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And then Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing. Be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Here is a man who was extremely desperate. You know, a leper was doomed to a life of isolation and loneliness. Leprosy was an incurable disease at that time. It's a disease that eats at your skin, that can cause respiratory problems, um, it can even cause blindness. And those who lived with it were feared and considered unclean and a danger to society and had to live separately in a leper colony. For this man to approach Jesus could have actually been a death sentence for him. For a leper to approach people who were clean, by law, he could have been stoned and put to death. But this man had lost everything due to this disease. He lost his health, he lost his family, he lost his friends, his job, he lost his freedom. This man literally lost everything. So he was desperate. And he had heard stories of how Jesus is the miracle worker and how Jesus healed all who came to him. But this man was unsure if Jesus would be willing to heal him. Sure, he had heard that Jesus worked all sorts of miracles, but he didn't know if Jesus would be willing to perform a miracle for him. But Jesus settled that question once and for all. I love what Jesus did. Before he even spoke a word to him, he touched that man, letting him know, I see you, I care about you. And then Jesus verbalized his will. He said, I am willing, be healed. That's an amazing story. Some of us, likewise, might also be unsure. We might have been told by religion that Jesus doesn't heal today or that Jesus only heals some and not others. But there's a great scripture found in Hebrews chapter 13 in verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. Let's be careful not to over-spiritualize Scripture. Scripture is really straightforward. What God says in the Word, His Word, is actually what He means. Hebrews 13.8 tells us that Jesus hasn't changed one bit since the very beginning, today and forever. He remains the same all through time. That means that His purpose that his intentions are the same for all peoples. He hasn't changed. 
What he desires for one, he wants for all. He desires for all to be saved. He desires for all to have their need met. He desires for all of us to live healthy lives. Let's put ourselves into remembrance what God has said over and over again in his word that he wants to intervene. He has intervened. He sent Jesus. He put all of his eggs in one basket for you. His plan was that Jesus would come and destroy the works of the enemy in your life. Let's look at Romans chapter 2 and verse 11. In the Amplified Classic Version, it says, For God shows no partiality, undue favor, or unfairness. With him, one man is not different from another. That means that if Jesus voiced, if Jesus said that I am willing to heal you like he did with that leper, that means that Jesus, having no favoritism, being, not being unfair, that he too is willing that you be healed. He wants to heal you. I want you to take notice in the Bible. Study Jesus' ministry. Every single person that came to him in faith received healing. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, it says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Look at that again. It says he was healing every sickness, every disease. There's not any sickness or disease that has a leg up on God. You know, sometimes we build up in our mind that the devil is so big and we think that God is so small. The problems in our life, the things that we're dealing with are so big. How can, po- how can God possibly deal with this? But God asked us that question. Is there anything too hard for me? Jesus came and showed us and healed every sickness, every disease. There's not anything in your life that God cannot handle. There's not anything in your life that is too big for God to deal with let's go back to mark chapter 8 where jesus posed that question to his disciples who do people say that i am in verse 29 in mark chapter 8 then jesus goes and personalizes it a little more to his disciples he asks them but who do you say that i am you know it is vital for us as believers as christians to know for ourselves who Jesus is. It's not enough to just believe what other people have told us or what we have heard. We've got to know for ourselves. When we go through those trials and tribulations, when the devil comes in to steal, to kill, and cause destruction in our life, do we believe that Jesus is the miracle worker? If Jesus is just another religious figure, that we owe religious activity to, then we don't really know who Jesus is. If we simply attend church out of a religious obligation, we don't really know who Jesus is. If we worship and pray to anyone other than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, then we don't really know who Jesus is. Who do you say Jesus is? 
Who is he in your life? He tells you in scripture. All you have to do is read that. And look, that is his will. He's written that out to you. That is his will, his purpose, what he wants to do in your life. When we begin to recognize fully who Jesus is and what he has purchased upon the cross for us, then the possibilities are opened up to us. No longer is anything impossible. In Luke chapter 18, in verse 27, Jesus said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. God is so much bigger, so much more powerful, so much more greater and capable of doing things than we can even think or hope or even imagine of. Who do you say Jesus is? Do you say today that Jesus is the miracle worker? Remember again, Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? Do you need a healer? Well, there is nothing that's too hard for God. Do you need God to provide for your finances, for your family? Well, there is nothing that is too hard for God. Do you need a relationship restored? Well, there is nothing too hard for God. Do you need healing in your body? Well, there is nothing too hard for God. In closing today, I would just like you to do something, whether you're in your sitting room, whether you're in your kitchen, wherever it is that you're watching today. Hopefully it's not while you're driving because you won't be able to do this. But I would just like for you to stand up right where you are, right today, in faith, because we're gonna pray for you. And we're going to believe God that he is going to perform a miracle in your life. And whether you see that today, whether you see that tomorrow, whether you see that this week or next month, God is working. When we pray, we have to believe in faith that God is working in your life. With God, there is nothing too hard. With God, there is nothing that is impossible for him to do. Let's just pray. We're going to believe God. And we're gonna hook our faith up with you that God is going to perform a miracle in your life. Just like it was with, my, with those stories that I told, time after time after time, God is performing miracles today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If I can stand before you today who was once dead in my mother's womb and I am alive together because God performed a miracle, then God is surely able to perform a miracle in your life. Amen, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. We come to you in faith, Lord Father, and we thank you that you have withheld nothing from us, Lord. You sent your very best. You sent your only son, Jesus, to die upon the cross. And in fact, in the book of Peter, Lord, it says that by Christ's stripes, we are healed. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus took everything upon him so that we could live in this life, so that you could provide for whatever it is that we have need of. Your word says that you have provided our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus.
Jesus has purchased everything that we need. Jesus, we believe, Lord, is the miracle worker, and you are performing a miracle in the lives of those people who have stood up, Lord, at home today or whatever it is they're watching. You are performing a miracle in their life, Lord. We just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we would just like for you, when God performs a miracle, I'm not saying if God performs a miracle. I'm saying when God performs that miracle that you're believing him for, we would just like you to go to Open Arms, our website at openarms.ie forward slash connect. And we just have this connect form. We would love for you to fill that out and just share with us the miracle that God has performed in your life. We want to hear that from you. We, are, we love you. We are expecting God with you and we are expecting a miracle in your life. Amen.